What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. Hello, hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. It is 8.13 a.m. and we are coming at you, not so live, I guess it's live in my time right now, but we are coming at you, we as in me and grits, by the way. (laughs) I am all by myself. We are coming at you live from my living room. It is Saturday morning. Life is good. We just had a great morning. We went and played outside. We played frisbee. And I just love to start my day with some kind of movement, some kind of thing to get my blood pumping. It really just gets me in the mood to talk into your ear right now about my obsession, which is nutrition. (laughs) Actually, more specifically, my obsession with nutrition is helping you figure out, okay, how do we change these unwanted eating behaviors for good? Meaning we knock out these habits, we kick them to the freaking curb, and then we replace them with some new eating or nutrition or lifestyle habit that gets you closer to your dream self. I want you to take a second to really think about what is it that you want when it comes to your health or your relationship with food? Not what you don't want. That's important. Don't think about what you don't want. Don't say, I don't want to overeat. I don't want to have to feel like I need something sweet after every meal. No, I want you to frame it in a positive way. Say, what do you want? Say, I want a healthy relationship with food. I want to naturally make healthy choices without even thinking about it. I want to be able to wear what I want to wear, feel confident, feel great because I know I'm taking care of my body and I'm looking sexy, looking good. I can walk into your room and everybody just turns around and says, where is that hot mama from? Why is she glowing like she is? And you can say, it's because of what she eats. (laughs) Am I getting weird? I think I just went all over the place with my pronouns. So forgive me, I'm not a grammarian. That's why I speak, but all things aside, I want you to really take that in consideration because so many times when people come in my my office, the first question I ask them is, all right, why are you here? What, What made you really come out and see a dietitian? Because it's an investment. And so I know these people are serious. I'm like, what made you seek out a dietitian? And if they tell me something they don't want, I make them reframe it into what they want. If they sit there and they say, I'm sick of feeling this way. I'm I'm tired of feeling this way. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I, I'm tired of feeling overweight. I'm tired of feeling low energy. I feel unhealthy. I say, okay, well, how do you want to feel? What do you want? What do you want? Because if we can get clarity on what we want out of our relationship with food or out of our relationship with our body, out of our nutrition, out of our lifestyle, if we can get crystal fucking clear on what we want, it's so much easier to reach that target. I mean, think about this. Have you ever had a goal in your life that you just obsessed over? Like you thought about it over and over again, whether that was somebody that you really wanted to date or maybe it was a job or maybe it was some kind of college education and you focused in, you're like, I am going to walk out of this institution with a goddamn degree if it's the last thing I do. And you focus on it and it becomes a reality. And when you focus on something, it really just helps you build the path to get there. I think a lot of us have it backwards when it comes to reaching our goals. We think about the steps to get somewhere instead of the ultimate goal. We want to start backwards. We want to get crystal clear on what we want. 
We really want to get crystal clear on what we want, and then we want to build the, the stepping stones behind that. I like to think of it as, you know, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we know we want to get to Oz. What is Oz for you? And how are we going to get through that yellow brick road? Let's work backwards. Let's leave Oz and go backwards. So that's what led me to want to record this episode today. Because a lot of us know what we want is to have a better relationship with food. To have a better relationship with food, to control overeating, emotional eating. It's sometimes really hard for people to even understand they have a problem with emotional eating because it's not really talked about. It's not the most sexy nutrition topic. <laughs> I mean, if you read the, the media headlines, they're not talking about, are your negative feelings causing you to overeat? No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, burn fat now with this keto diet or eggs are going to kill you because that's what gets attention. But really what a lot of us are struggling with when it comes to achieving our health goals, feeling like we can get mental clarity around food, feeling a sense of ease around eating is because we are triggered by emotional eating or emotional dieting, which I'll go into a little bit too as well in another episode. But emotional eating and things that, we're dealing with negative emotions that we want to mask with food, to put it simply. We have some deep-rooted issues that we don't want to face, and so our mind and body knows that when we eat, when we focus on a really fun diet, (laughs) I'm putting fun in quotes, it's a nice distraction from us to really, to deal with what's causing emotional eating triggers and what's causing these bad feelings. So I wanted to share with you guys some not so sexy, but really important emotional eating behavior triggers. I want you to know it's not about willpower when it comes to emotional eating. Okay, so I, I want to preface that by saying there's there's nothing wrong with your willpower. It's not about you not being good enough if you struggle with emotional eating. If you feel like you can't control yourself around food, don't think there's something wrong with you. I don't care who the fuck you are. Nobody has unlimited willpower. Nobody can just go on and on and do something against their will forever. Some people can do it longer. Some people can't do it as long as they can. But willpower is not infinite. It is quite finite. So don't feel like there's something wrong with you. Don't feel like that if you ever try to diet or you tried to control your emotional eating using traditional tactics like restriction or tricking yourself into doing something else to not think about food. Don't think there is something wrong with you or that you didn't try hard enough. It has nothing to do with you, okay? But it has to do with are some underlying layers in you that have nothing to do with willpower and they probably don't have anything to do with food either. And often there's a lot of layers. There can be a lot of layers behind why we overeat or turn to food when we're feeling emotional. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to give it to you straight here because I think it's important to be really honest. It may take a lot of time to get through them. Some people can really uncover things quickly, but some of us have more complex relationships with ourselves. And that's how we we, we use food to manifest those, those feelings or mask them. So it might take a while, but the first step is self-awareness. And that's what this podcast episode's for. I want to help you become more self-aware of your emotional eating habits by sharing some of these uncommon triggers that lead us to soothe with food. So before we get into some of this, I want to share a little bit about my story and why I understand what it's like to be an emotional eater. When it comes to being an emotional eater, there are people who struggle with it for years and years and years without stopping. There are people who go through seasons of it where they have periods where they're turning to food and they kind of notice something's wrong. And so if you can really kind of understand where your relationship with food is in any area of your life or any season of your life, 
it's going to be a lot easier for you to overcome those emotional eating habits or those unwanted eating behaviors that you want. So for me, I always balanced back and forth between emotional eating and as a result, emotional dieting. I never really had an issue with it in college until after I got dumped. Well, I didn't get dumped. I got cheated on by a boyfriend and I didn't really know what else to focus on because I had realized I had made a lot of my life about him and it was kind of a wake up call. But subconsciously, I was like, okay, like, I don't want to feel these bad feelings anymore of betrayal and sadness. I need something else to focus on. And it was the summer after I graduated before I was about to start my dietetic internship. So I had way too much freaking time. I didn't have a serious job besides nannying to really put my energy in. And I didn't really know what to do because I had made this mistake of making my whole life about somebody else. And I started to fixate on dieting again. Like, And, and I had really been so strong for a long time not dieting. I was just naturally thin. I was just living my life. And, you know, I never really had to worry about it. So I became obsessed with dieting as a way to distract myself from these feelings. I would sit in my room and I would write out my meal plan for the next day, everything that I was going to eat. I would plan my workouts around what I was going to eat. I knew exactly the macronutrients. I would talk about it. I would... seriously every time that I thought about the negative feelings about my relationship and about myself and my self-worth, because of the relationship, I would just say, okay, you know what, forget about that. I'm going to get this comeback body. I'm going to feel awesome. And these feelings about the future of what could be just were so much more comfortable to think about than dealing with my own demons, than dealing with the fact that I was heartbroken. So I just turned to food. And then as a result of restrictive dieting, of course, my body, my physiology was like, uh, no, Kate, <laughs> this ain't going to fly. This restrictive diet that you've got going on here where you're starving us for hours at a time and you're not feeding us enough. Because keep in mind, I was doing really intense workouts also. That was another distraction of mine. I'd go and spend hours in the gym. So I was burning energy and not replacing it. So of course, my physiology would say, Kate, you need to feed us. So it would send me extreme hunger signals. Again, that would just amplify my obsession with food. And so just like I was saying, willpower is finite. Mine was not as strong as I wanted it to be. So then I would binge on food or maybe it was food and alcohol. And the next day I would feel like crap. I'd feel like a failure and so on and so on. So that was the first season of emotional eating. And it really took until I figured that out and started to replace my obsession with food with a more proactive obsession, which was my dietetic internship when I started it. And I was able to channel all of my energy on becoming the best professional a girl could be. So another season of emotional eating that I had was only about a month or so, and it was pretty recently. It was about a year and a half ago, and I was lucky because I had been through some emotional eating before and was able to recognize what was going on and not judge myself because when we turn to food, it's usually our body's way of saying, hey, I love you. I don't want you to feel these bad feelings anymore. Let's do something really quick to make you feel better. And as a child, we learn that food is quick and uh, accessible and it makes us feel good right in the instant. So of course we're gonna turn to food. And as we grow into adults, sometimes people find other things that make them feel really good in the moment. Alcohol, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is, gambling. We find these quick instant gratification, you know, these quick things that give us instant gratification that make us feel better in the moment and distract us from those things that were really bothering us. And it's just our body's way of taking care of us 
unfortunately, our body doesn't recognize some of these habits are not going to be proactive. They're not going to be the healthiest, especially if you have a weight goal in mind or a health goal in mind. And it's also not good mentally, you know, if we're at war with ourselves all the time about why did I eat that much? Why did I diet that much? Why did I drink that much? It just, a, it does not help you build a good relationship with yourself. And I am a firm believer that the most important relationship you have in this life is the one with yourself. So one thing I wanted to point out is that for most of us, the underlying causes of our unwanted eating behaviors is because of fear. Yeah because of fear. And that fear is usually one of two things for most people. The first thing, the fear of not being good enough. Not being good enough. Have you ever had something in your life where you just felt like you were inadequate, that you weren't going to be capable of doing something if you weren't worthy of a job or worthy of a relationship or worthy of a friendship, anything? That fear of not being good enough. Or two, the fear of not being loved not being loved by other people. And it could be a combination of both. And sometimes one fear is stronger than the other. One time it's, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, yep, absolutely. I hear that fear loud and clear. But I challenge you to really, you know, if this isn't resonating with you, really dig deep and think about what is causing you to overeat and what are those triggers causing you to feel. And that's what we're really going to dive into. Because the actions, behaviors, thoughts, and environmental influences that trigger us and trigger these fears, make us feel bad. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There may be certain actions, behaviors, thoughts that you have that really trigger these feelings of fear, or maybe they are triggered because of feelings of fear, better to say. So you might be doing things throughout your day or thinking things because you are afraid of whatever it is that you are afraid of. So let's really get into this because I know I get real cosmic. I like to get a little bit woo-woo out here, but there are a variety of fears that can trigger us to turn to food or dieting. And I wanted to share some of these uncommon ones that a lot of the women I talk to really, really feel. And it, it takes a little bit of digging, but these are some of the more common ones. I'm gonna share with you four. The first one, it's having really disempowering beliefs about yourself and food, about yourself and food. So what I mean by disempowering beliefs are beliefs that you have about yourself and your relationship to food that don't move you in the direction you want to move into. So an example would be, I have an uncontrollable sweet tooth and I can't not eat something sweet after a meal. This is a disempowering belief because a belief is just a story we've made up in our head as a result of things that have happened to us before in the past. So I want you to think of this from a positive perspective. If a belief is a story you make up in your head, you can rewrite these stories to end any way you want to. But if you have a story in your head that I cannot control my sweet tooth, well, then the body is going to follow that story. Think about it. I mean, I know this gets kind of weird, but we've got these subconscious thoughts that wire our brain to accept unwanted eating behaviors associated with these beliefs if we declare they're true. I mean, how many times have you told a friend, like, I just have to have something sweet after lunch? 
Okay, well, says who? Did whatever higher power you believe in design you to have an uncontrollable sweet tooth? I mean, when he was making you into you, was he saying, okay, I want her to have brown eyes and brown hair and, oh, she just loves to have chocolate after lunch every single day. Poof, okay, go out into the world, Kate, be you. No, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. The fact that you have to have something sweet in your mind or in, after lunch is a story you created in your mind, okay? Now, Think about this too. Let's expand on this. This belief of you having to have something sweet after every meal. For anybody who's struggling with their relationship with food, this belief can trigger a negative feeling. A negative feeling, maybe shame, fear, guilt, embarrassment. So if you feel shameful, guilty, embarrassed, or embarrassed after eating something, well, those feelings are really going to influence how you act what you do. So you might eat chocolate in secret. You might overeat the chocolate. You might hide the wrappers somewhere where nobody can ha see that you have to have a bunch of chocolate after eating and it manifests into this whole, whole issue. And then that action becomes our reality. So soon we are attached to this reality of, oh my God, like I am eating all this chocolate, binge eating it in secret. See how it kind of can snowball? Does anybody relate to this? Where you have this disempowering belief about your relationship with food that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel fearful that people will judge you or people will hate you or people will think you're a pig or gluttonous for eating chocolate. And then you won't be loved or you won't be good enough. So that, that's the first one. And the second one is very similar. It's disempowering beliefs about our body, about our body. Do you have negative self-talk about your body? Do you look in the mirror and say, no one, I, I have these fat thighs. I'll never have great legs. I have, you know, so you have these beliefs about your body that make you feel negative. And then I like, I like to get into what I call sub-triggers. And this is really common with body image and negative self-talk for these beliefs we have about our body. So sub-triggers are going to be specific actions or thoughts that trigger us to have negative body talk. And they're usually done out of fear. So an example could be what I always, I used to do this all the time. And this was weird because it would make me want to either diet or eat. But I call them body checks. I would go into the bathroom and lift my shirt up at random times throughout the day. I would even do this in like public restaurants or places in their bathrooms to see how my stomach looked. I was like, am I bloated? Do I look good? And sometimes I felt awesome. I was like, yeah, girl, like you got that flat tummy, like first thing in the morning. And it made me feel really confident. So it conditioned me to do this because I would get positive feedback sometimes, kind of like a dog. If you give a dog some food at the table and he learns that, hey, I can maybe get food at the table. So you do it one time and the rest of your life you're screwed. Your dog's always going to sit there at your feet while you eat because one time he got positive reinforcement. You gave him food at the table. Now you're cursed forever. So my brain was like, all right, good. But then there were those days where I didn't really like what I saw in the mirror. I felt bloated. I felt chubby. I don't know, whatever it is. And then I started to have negative self-talk. I was like, oh my God. You look so fat today, Kate. What the, how is anybody going to take you seriously as a dietitian if you look like this? So then I had that fear of, hey, people aren't going to take me seriously. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not a good enough dietitian. And that would trigger me to do one of two things. Eat because I felt bad and eating made me feel good. Or want to restrict my food and go on a diet. Because that made me feel hopeful. That made me feel like there was a solution. But I know there's that's not a solution. <laughs> we should not judge our bodies so harshly because it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. And remember, your body and your mind are going to want to protect you from these bad feelings with a short-term solution. 
like food. And this is, a, I mean, we all have negative self-talk sometimes, right? I mean, it's not abnormal. I mean, they're even the hottest people with the best confidence in the world that don't struggle with emotional eating have negative self-talk here and there. But the problem arises when we are constantly having negative self-talk about our body and we use food to cope. The common side effect is going to be weight gain. And then you can see how that cycle can continue if you're gaining weight and then talking shit on yourself and then turning to food. I mean, dang, that's not a fun cycle. So that's the second one, disempowering beliefs about your body. And hey, can you believe tip number three? Also about disempowering beliefs, but this one's about our character. And this is one I see a lot with my clients. And these are the ones that aren't so obvious for people because when you come to see a dietitian, of course we're gonna talk about food and body image. It's just the nature of the consultation. But let's talk about the disempowering beliefs we have about our character that really trigger us to feel this fear. An example would be, I am not a good enough mother or daughter or partner. I'm not a good enough employee. Well, that makes you feel fearful. It makes you feel bad about yourself when you don't think that you're doing the best job as a mother. In fact, I want to share a story. I put this on my Instagram the other day of a client. We'll call her Rachel. That's not her real name. But Rachel felt like she was not a good enough mom. She felt like she had poor energy. And whenever she did anything to make her feel like she was a bad mom, like she was 10 minutes late once to pick up her kids and they were kind of cranky at her, she started having all these negative feelings. She was like, oh my God, like I'm a horrible mom. I'm not worthy of being their mother. I can't believe I put my own actions first. I was late to pick them up. They came home, the kids had already forgotten about it, I'm sure, they ran off and did their thing. She went to the kitchen and was just eating some brownies she had made with her bare hands. Then she felt guilty, she felt shameful, and then she didn't want to ever bake again because she was fearful that if she had brownies around, then she would just eat them. But really the issue was, it wasn't that she felt, you know, out of control, she didn't, it wasn't the brownies fault to say the least, it was this fear she had of not being a good mom and she used brownies to help soothe these negative feelings and distract her from the issue at hand. So consider if you have negative feelings about your character, are there certain actions, thoughts or behaviors that provoke these thoughts? Because remember, the feelings that we have control our actions. So if something makes you feel bad, then the actions that you take are going to follow bad feelings, right? Just like you never see somebody who's feeling joyful, right? Somebody who's just feeling so light and joyful and happy, you don't see them just like eating a sheet of brownies to make themselves feel better. They don't need to because they feel joyful. They've got something in their life that's provoking these positive feelings and therefore their actions follow. So it's quite the, the, the flip side when it comes to that negative feeling. So I want you to start paying attention. Are there certain behaviors, thoughts, or actions you take in your life that reflect these negative feelings? And what's the root issue? What's the root fear? Because it's always going to come down to fear. We all have fears, underlying fears. Some of us are just better at managing them than others. All right. And then my fourth uh, uncommon belief about food or thing that triggers us to eat emotionally is being stuck in the past. So thinking about things that have happened to you before that make you feel heavy, like ex-relationships, drama or uncomfortable situations at work, regrets from your past, or maybe it's something somebody said to you, even if it was years ago that just stuck with you and just makes you feel bad, makes you feel heavy. We talked about this in another podcast episode, is your mood making you fat? So if this is interesting to you, be sure to check out that episode. And Megan brought up this amazing point. She said, foods that make you feel, or not foods, things that make you feel heavy, that make you want to turn to food because they make you feel bad. So 
what are these things? I'll, I'll show, go back to my story with my relationship. My relationship and the way it ended made me feel heavy. It made me feel horrible about myself. It made me feel heartbroken. It made me feel angry and resentful. It made me feel sad. It made me feel like I was not good enough for a relationship. And therefore, that's why I turned to food to distract those feelings. So how can you lighten up? I would say the best way for most people, and I think this could apply to a lot of situations, if you have something coming to your mind that's you know similar to, to my story or maybe has something to do with a relationship at work or a story from your past, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Well, that's the first thing, forgiveness. Forgiving that person, forgiving that situation, and not marinating on it any longer, to use a food analogy there. Don't marinate on these negative things in your life anymore. It's just not worth it. You're not going to get anything out of life from holding a grudge or being angry. So forgiving that person, loving that person, or loving the fact that that situation came to you, and thinking of it as more of a gift. What a beautiful gift that these horrible things that have happened to you have, have occurred because now You can take them and do something amazing with the world. You can take that lesson you learned and help other people, help change their lives. And in a similar vein, the second thing you can do is practice gratitude, right? Be grateful for that event. Be grateful for that person or that situation because it made you who you are today. And you can, you have this opportunity now to make that that situation something that makes you a better person, makes you do more good in the world. So figure out, okay, is there something you're holding on to that's really weighing down on you? So here are some action steps I want to take. We talked about these four things that really can trigger emotional eating, and that's disempowering beliefs about our relationship with food, our body, our character, and then being stuck in the past. So I have a few action steps I wanted to share with you guys in case you are feeling these things and you're like, okay, I need to start uncovering what the heck is making me overeat. First step is I want you to pick one trigger at a time. Once you identify some triggers, focus on one big one. Focus on that major one. So brainstorm some triggers. I'm sure some things have popped into your mind, but really kind of make a list of these triggers and pick one to focus on because if we try to change too many things at once, it just gets into a disaster. So pick one thing and maybe particularly something that is the most influential or maybe if you were to change this one trigger or replace it with a new habit, it would make replacing the other triggers a lot easier. And then look at this trigger in depth. Figure out what is the underlying cause of this trigger? Is it fear? So for instance, with me doing my body checks where I lift up my shirt and look at my stomach, it was fear of not being taken seriously as a dietitian if I didn't look a certain way. And then lifting up my shirt made me want to turn to food or dieting. And then you develop strategies to help you manage these feelings so you don't do the action. You have to target the belief, then the feeling, then the action, right? So what is your belief? Your, my belief was that I wouldn't be good enough to be a dietitian unless I looked a certain way. My feeling about that made me feel really negative. It made me feel fearful. And therefore, my actions followed. So what is this feeling that you're getting from these beliefs? And how can we change that? How can we start to link pleasurable feelings to the habit or behavior you actually want to adopt? So remember when we were talking about what you want? What you want, is it a good relationship with yourself? Is it to love your body? What do you want? How do you associate good feelings to the habit or behavior that's gonna get you closer to what you want? And then how can you ingrain, embed that behavior to replace your unwanted behavior? Remember, it takes a lot of time to cultivate habits considering 
thinking how long it probably took you to cultivate and and develop that habit you don't want. So it's going to take time to break them. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some patience. I have four things I want to share with you for you to be successful in making a change in your life. And the first thing is self-awareness, which I hope this podcast brought you. But if you want to get more in-depth of your own emotional eating behaviors, I want you to go and take the quiz. I'll link it below in the show notes here. But this is a quiz called Emotional Eating, and it helps you identify common emotional eating behaviors that many of the women I work with and even myself have dealt with. This way you can know what kind of things you're doing and help you get a more in-depth look of how you can break them. So you can go to go.orlandodietitian.com slash emotional eating and get the quiz straight to your inbox. I will link it below. This is the first step to becoming more self-aware of your emotional eating behaviors. The second thing you need is a desire to change. And I'm not talking about just some willy-nilly desire like, I want to be better. No, you need to think about why you want to change. Why must you change right now? Why? Why Why is this so important and where's the sense of urgency? What's it going to cost you? And what's it going to cost your family or your loved ones if you do not change? If you don't stop emotionally eating, what's it going to happen? Are you going to gain weight? Are you going to isolate yourself from social outings with loved ones because you're afraid of food? Are you going to be having to sneak out of your bed at night to go turn to food when you're feeling bad while your partner's sleeping? Oh my gosh, what's it going to cost you? How's your family going to feel? What are your kids going to feel when they see you doing these things? Write down what's why. What's your why? Why must you change? And what's it going to cost you if you don't change right the fuck now? <laughs> Third thing, consistency. You got to stay consistent. So it's one thing to do these practices one or two times and you're like, okay, yay, great. But you got to stick to it. Devote yourself to making a positive change and practice it not only in real life, but in your mind as well. So the more you can rehearse these positive behaviors in your brain, the more real they're going to become. It just strengthens that neural connection in your brain that says, this is who I am. This is what I do. And therefore, you can just automatically start engaging in these behaviors that you want to adopt, just like you automatically were engaging in those behaviors you want to get rid of. And the fourth biggest thing is support. You need support. I mean, take a look at the people around you. Are they going to be open if you talk about your issues with food with them? Or are they going to judge you? Or you have a friend. Do you have a friend or do you have a mentor or a coach that also knows what it's like to have the brain of a food and diet addict? Make sure you link up with people. I have a support group. It's a Facebook page that it's for women only. But if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash emotional eating help, you can join a support group, a community of people who also struggle with emotional eating. And we can really talk about the things that trigger you to emotional eat, those barriers, those challenges, anything that you want to talk about, you can just put it on there on that website. So I encourage you to join that. I will also link that in the notes below. And if you already know you're an emotional eater, if you've already got the self-awareness and you've kind of tried some things and you're just like over it, like you're like, screw this, I'm done, I've hit rock bottom, it's time to get coaching, one-on-one coaching. I can be that coach for you. Just send me an email or go to our website that I'll link below, orlandodietitian.com, and we'll set up a consultation to help you finally get the fuck over this emotional eating and dieting pattern. I've got this whole blueprint that I use that I work with clients to help them get over their emotional eating habits. I mean, it's foolproof because I do not let you fail. You can, you literally cannot fail because you've got me always there supporting you, cheering you on, and making sure you are taking actionable steps to get over your emotional eating. 
I really hope that this podcast helped you start to figure out what is causing you to emotional eat. If there's one thing you take away from this, it's that you are not unworthy. You are not unworthy of love. And there's nothing wrong with you if you have tried to overcome these emotional eating habits with traditional diet advice. There are many things that can trigger us and cause us to emotional eat, not only psychologically, but physiologically, physically. (laughs) So don't feel like it's just one thing and there's something wrong with you. There's not. Remember, nobody has infinite willpower. Nobody's perfect. But we all want to be better. If we know better, we can do better, which is why I put this out here so you can really start to build a relationship with yourself and see why you turn to food or dieting. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram, nutrition.awareness, and I am happy to talk to you a little bit more about your emotional eating struggles here for you. And yeah, that's it. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and kick some ass and (laughs) go crush your goals. Until then, (laughs) keep it real and keep it healthy. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.